Let us pray together. How very, very precious, O oh God, is your steadfast, capacious love. And we pray for that day when all the children of the earth, including each of our own, might find refuge in the shadow of your wings. Oh, we pray for that day, O oh God. Amen. Well, what a morning we are having in worship here today. And it seems especially fitting for us to focus on spiritual formation across the generations. Because in Psalm 78 today, we hear this passionate concern for the passing on of God's story from one generation to the next. For God's wondrous deeds to be remembered and for God's ways not to be forgotten. And so year after year after year here at East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church, we keep remembering and remembering and remembering God's story, woven into the stories of God's people. Adam, naming. Noah, floating. Sarah, laughing. Jacob, wrestling. Joseph, dreaming. Miriam, dancing. David, ruling. Prophets, preaching. John, baptizing. Mary, birthing. Jesus, living and dying and rising. Thomas, doubting. Peter, fishing and the Holy Spirit sending. What a story we are a part of here in this community. We are a people actively remembering and caught up in God's story with Jesus at its very center. So this morning I would like to reflect very briefly on faith formation and how it happens. How is each of our cups filled with faith? How does that happen? And the first thing that I would like to mention is that it must happen patiently and persistently. There are two models of faith formation, the fire hose and the eyedropper. I didn't, <laughs> I wanted to put out on listserv for someone to bring a fire hose, <laughs> but I didn't. And I've done this before. I'm not going to use water. I, I practiced this morning and I got myself all wet. So, But what happens when you get out a fire hose and in one mighty blast you fill the cup? What happens? How much is left? Very, very little, right? And there's a kind of coerciveness and violence to that kind of faith formation. 
But there is another kind of faith formation. It's called the eyedropper method. And it's patient. We have all the time in the world. We have a thousand Sundays with each of our kids before they leave for college or before they leave for life. We have 7,000 Sundays with them as parents and grandparents. And so we can be patient, persistent, building relationship with them one drop at a time. A second thing that I would like to say today about faith formation is that it is something that we do together. It is not something we do to our children, but we do with them. And I think we've seen this so beautifully here this morning already. You know, in one of our kids' classrooms, there's a sign on the wall that, re that reads, what can today's lesson teach us about following Jesus? And you see, as our kids share with us their perspectives about what they are hearing and seeing, we grow, we discover, and we learn with them. At our kids' night, once a month, Pastor Elisa and our kids are exploring the Beatitudes. And I really believe that this peace pole is the fruit of this Beatitudes work, where one of the key Beatitudes, of course, is blessed are the peacemakers. And it isn't it wonderful that right in the midst of these turbulent times of violence and war, our kids bring us a peace pole to remind us of the peacemaking that is at the heart of the gospel and it is at the heart of the mission of our church. In her new book called Woven, Meredith Miller says that we want to give our kids a faith that they won't need to heal or recover from later on. Amen? That means as we share and form faith in one another, there can be no coercion, no fear tactics, no shaming. Amen? Our job as parents and teachers and mentors and grandparents is to patiently instill in each new generation an awareness of a loving and trustworthy God. And do you know how our kids come to contemplate a loving and trustworthy God? By experiencing a loving and trustworthy family. By experiencing a loving and trustworthy church. That's why our safe church policy is so important. What our kids experience among us as children is how they begin to think about and to contemplate God. All of these things are integrally connected.
And I think a key part of the faith formation of our children these days <clears throat> is helping them to become skillful readers of the Bible. To understand that the Bible can be used to cause great harm. Can be used to launch wars, to silence women, to preach homophobia, and to defend racism. But we also want our young people to know that this precious book is where we meet Jesus and where we come into a healing and hopeful and life-giving relationship with him. And so what we want to be doing here at East Chestnut is teaching people how to read this book skillfully, well, knowing that it can cause harm, but also that it can bring tremendous good and life that we have all experienced together. And I think one of the important things here is to teach our kids to read the Bible as we read it as Anabaptists. Together in community, guided by the Holy Spirit, through the lens of Jesus. Now maybe you're wondering, what's Todd going to do with that parable of the ten bridesmaids? I left the best for last. So this parable from Jesus was written down in the early church community. An early community that was expecting Jesus' swift return and struggling to understand his delay. And in this story, five bridesmaids carefully prepare for the long haul. They come ready to hold on to their faith deep, deep, deep into the night. They bring along enough oil but the other five don't. Now the point of this parable is not that we should never share our oil with others, right? That's why scripture needs to be in dialogue with scripture. If we only had this story, we'd think the Christian gospel was don't share, not at all. The point I believe is that faith is not something that can be done for us by others. Faith is not something that we can just do vicariously through others. Each of us must be doing our own work, bringing our own flask of oil, and inviting Christ to transform us and to shape his character in us. The goal is to come to the end of our lives and to hear Jesus saying to us, 
I know and love you. You know and love me. Welcome home. Welcome home. I invite us to, I'd like to close by turning to our mission statement. You can see it printed in purple on the back of our bulletin. And let me just say that 11 years ago, I remember the moment very clearly. I had been invited to consider coming to this church and I said, no way, there's no way that we will move across the country to Lancaster of all places. But then I read this mission statement. And Danette and I together said, okay, God, we're going to give it a careful look. And notice that faith formation and transformation is at the very beginning and heart of our mission together. Let me read it and then have you repeat it after me. The first line, to be transformed by God's mercy, grace, and love. Together. And I would say that the next three sentences are impossible without that happening. That's the core, God's transformation of us with grace and mercy. The next line, to introduce our children and neighbors to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Together. And I would add to that, and also as our friend and teacher and perfecter of our faith. The next line, to equip one another to live peaceably and generously together. You know, this is long haul work. It doesn't happen overnight. And finally, our mission is to contribute to the well-being of Lancaster and the wider world. Together. Yeah, I love that, Vanessa, you mentioned that. This vision that is both global and local at the same time. So friends, faith formation is slow, patient, eyedropper work. It brings us into a loving and trusting relationship with God that begins here and lasts for eternity. And even in our hardest times, we're able to say, my cup overflows. Amen.